Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you like our Star Trek podcast, Inglorious Trexperts, you'll love Disco Nights with host Chase Masterson as she takes you around the galaxy of Star Trek Discovery with new episodes premiering every Thursday night. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docterman, and we're the Inglorious Trexperts. And if we got an episode for you today, what's the deal with Dr. Spock? <laughs> what what's is the deal the, with Dr. Spock? Is, well, we're, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what it's like to know nothing about Star Trek. You know those people. <laughs> the people. There are people out there, and 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 uh, I, I want to. I'm going to introduce you in a second. First, uh, I, I want to r- remind you we have with us today. Um, Ashley E. Miller is back. Ashley is a uh, writer producer on Lore, and he was on Black Sails and and uh, Terminator the Sarah Connor. Connor. <laughs> One day I'm going to get it right. Terminator the Sarah. Terminator Connor the Chronicles. Sarah. Sarah Connor Sarah? Chronicles. Terminator, Terminator the TV series. Damn right. And uh, uh, he, of course, wrote Thor and X Men First Class, and and is a Trexpert extraordinaire. Ashley, welcome back. Thank you. He was on Terminator the Sarah Connor. Terminator. The ser- now you know why we only lasted two freaking seasons because nobody knew what the hell they were watching. Why couldn't they call Maybe it a word of mouth if you can't pronounce Even it? Even Arnold Schwarzenegger could say that. And now he can't talk. Now you're probably figuring who we who we got out of, off the street who knows nothing about Star Trek. Where do we find such a person who who <laughs> knew nothing about this this franchise that's been around for 50 years? Well, we had to look high and low, but I'm very very happy to have. Uh, as a special guest, a good friend, uh, you probably know him as the one of the stars of uh, the hit TV show The Librarians. Um, he is an actor and a writer, and uh, he's he's directing now, and just a super talent, and one of the nicest people I've ever met, and and uh, that's uh, it's just extraordinary. I'm so thrilled to have him here with us today, John Harlan Kim. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Very Welcome. excited. Thank Let's you. see if you feel that Welcome. way when we're done quizzing you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm a little mix of like terrified and, and nervous and, and very happy to be here. So. Like, like, look, I like, felt on my wedding. Like, like, I'm, that's... like I'm holding this ship in my hands right now. You have no idea what this is, right? No, I, I've just been looking at all these like little gadgets and widgets and things. And I'm sort of, yeah, I feel like I've woken up in a bit of a dream right now. <laughs> this is a pizza cutter the, and I'm the, destroying the, it. The toys, the little, the little trinkets and stuff like that. <laughs> So it's going to another universe is what's happening. Tell us, like, you know, Star Trek. When I say Star Trek, what what does that mean to you? Like, uh, what do you know about it? I mean, you know, uh, growing up in Australia, I I sort of, you know, we'd get a lot of these American pop culture references, whether it was like the the hand sign or the live long and prosper. Um, I remember that was like a chat feature on MSN back in the day. And and I I never knew what it was from or, or, you know, what it meant. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, my my uh, knowledge of Star Trek is limited to uh, I know Chris Hemsworth was in one of the new movies. um, Because he's Australian. Because he's Australian. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) Um, so it's an Australian thing, not right. a Star Trek. Yeah, thing. basically. Okay. Uh, and then, um, and then I, I sort of know like uh, little things about Leonard Nimoy and, and things like that. But I've I've never seen a single frame of the show. Um, and then the only other thing or, uh, that I've experienced with Star Trek was Mark invited me to a Star Trek Comic Con as part of a 
a table read for one of the movies and they had they had <laughs> oh, me oh god yeah. i totally forgot about and, that and so I, I don't know what the film uh i mean we had a, a, it was a great lineup of um okay let me ask you who did you play in that do you remember i uh, i read sulu's part <laughs> which would make a lot of read sense sulu, yeah. uh, uh and and yeah obviously i have a, a huge respect for for george he he was one of the first sort of uh westernized asian actors on screen um but i i not enough respect obviously to go and watch star trek so, <laughs> <laughs> um so it was really interesting and and uh I, I i don't remember the movie but i remember i had that one line where i was like uh they were like where are we landing and i was like san francisco and and the whole crowd went at star trek convention went crazy right. and, and you're thinking uh, why I, I didn't get I didn't, I didn't know what it meant i didn't know what it was about um but yeah I, that's sort of basically my my star trek knowledge uh i know him as ezekiel jones uh <laughs> but uh tonight he will be hakara sulu the great john kim engage computers prepare for warp speed shields mr chekhov Shields, aye. May fortune favor the foolish. Warp speed, Mr. Sulu. Warp two. Warp three. Steady as she goes. Warp four. Warp five. Warp six. Warp seven. Warp eight. He shields at maximum. Warp nine. 9.2. 9.3. We need breakaway speed. 9.5. 9.6. I'm okay. Steady. Now, Mr. Sulu. I never should have left him. Sir? The mains are down, sir. My God, Jim, where are we? Thing to do. Spock, you're talking about the end of everybody on Earth. Mr. Sulu. Mr. Sulu. Mr. Sulu. Aye, sir. What is our condition? Sir, the braking thrusters have fired. Picture, please. Earth. But when? Spock. Judging by the pollution content of the atmosphere, I believe we have arrived at the latter half of the 20th century. Well done, Spock. Admiral, if I may, we are probably already visible to the tracking devices of the time. Quite right, Mr. Spock. Engage cloaking device, Mr. Chekhov. We are crossing the Terminator in tonight. Homing in on the west coast of North America. For those of you who don't know, so two years ago, uh, I was uh, a consultant. Uh, I was helping out uh, the guys at Reed Pop who did a convention called Star Wars. Star Trek. <laughs> Star Wars. Star Trek. <laughs> I know nothing about Star Trek. Lucky uh, they didn't do the Sarah Connor yeah. Chronicles. That's right. right. <laughs> Star Trek Mission New York. It was a huge Star Trek convention in New York. It was their first time doing it. And, you know, when I, one of the things I told them was I said, Let, let's do something that they don't do at Star Trek. Event. You know, we, we know about the autograph signings and the dealer's room and, you know, they, these things have existed for all these years. But do something different. So I said, why don't we do one of these really cool staged readings like, you know, Jason Reitman's doing at the Ace Theater where we take, you know, he'll take Pulp Fiction and then put you know, uh, George, you know, George Clooney in it or whatever, or, or right. he does, you know, up in the air with, uh, Ryan Gosling or, you know, what, so, so I said, uh, let's do, um, Star Trek. And I originally had wanted to do Star Trek two, but they were screening it. And so they didn't want to do Star Trek two. I said, okay, let's do Star Trek four. And so we wanted to do non-traditional casting. We put, um, Mary Stewart Masterson played, uh, Captain Kirk mm -hmm. and she was fantastic. Yep. Um, we had, uh, for Mr. Spock, remember Damien Young from The Comeback? He was Mr. Spock. So dry, so awesome. <laughs> you, you played, uh, Sulu, um, and, uh, and it was such, I remember it was a raucous evening. We had, 
I mean, thousands of people. I mean, the place was freaking packed. Yeah. It was huge. Yeah. And um, and 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 John Connolly was like Scotty, and he was fantastic. Yeah. There, uh, there was a really good Russian. Uh, oh, she was great yeah. as Chekhov. How yeah. Was the ultimate indignity for Walter Kenny. We we cast a woman <laughs> as Chekhov, and she was great. <laughs> she, was actually, she was actually Russian, and uh, and she wow, what was her name? Oh, she's. Terrific, but she um, sounded nothing like Chekhov. she. She had just finished doing uh, the Nick for uh, for for HBO Cinemax, and um, she she was wonderful. And uh, I have to look it up. We so we had, but what was great? So we're in the middle, and 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 for the whole thing, you know, uh, it was you know just stage reading. It was great. But then it says, I detect whale sign. And the audience spontaneously broke into, <laughs> yeah, And it was hilarious. so magical. Yeah. It was just this incredible evening. And um, I just smiled and kind of went along with it. <laughs> yeah, I had no like, idea with, yeah. what was going on, right? <laughs> and and, and it, was, it was great because the, the scene on the bus with Kirk Thatcher, the punk on the bus, who gets the, um, the Vulcan neck pinch, you know, is the song in the movie is I Hate You. Right. And, you know, so I substituted it out for um, Leonard Nimoy singing the ballad of Bilbo Baggins. So that's what's on the boombox. And people were dying. And uh, and it was great. And we got this wonderful standing ovation at the end of it. And um, uh, and I remember you were you were on the plane coming back to LA and you said that a bunch of people were coming up to you on the plane saying how much they loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so, I mean, you feel like such a phony because uh, (laughs) I I just happened to be in New York at the time when, when Mark had asked me to do it. So um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I remember, but it's so crazy because it's, I obviously understand how popular and how um, deep this universe goes. Um, And so to sort of walk in it, uh, at, at probably one of the peak sort of um, moments of, of Star Trek fandom where all these fan, super fans had gathered together. I was sort of, yeah, I, I couldn't help but shake this feeling of like being just like really um, uh, just trying not to get exposed as like somebody who knew nothing about Star right. Trek. And, and, <laughs> and it was just, it's, it's not even a thing. It's not like a, I'm too cool to watch it or anything like that. I just... Um, I remember Australia sort of had their own Star Trek in in, in Farscape. <laughs> the low budget yeah, version. They had their yeah. Like, oh, so Farscape. Yeah, I think right. it that was a show called like Solar Trek, right. and there was this Aussie actor. Paul Paul Hogan was in right. it. And... <laughs> well, was Paul Hogan actually this is a did phaser. do. Paul Hogan actually did do on his show a parody of Star Trek where he played Spock. No, he did with with the makeup. And yeah, everything. everything. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. That's just but this was like <laughs> early days, like in the eighties. Uh, so right. you were all Fars- big Farscape fans. Well, no, no, I just remember that being on TV a lot. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I sort of had seen a couple episodes of that. But um, yeah, Star Trek. I remember growing up, it wasn't as accessible. Um, but right. yeah, definitely, you'd watch something like you know The Simpsons or something, and they'd make a, a Star Trek joke. And so that was basically my entire Star Trek knowledge right there. And um, but I had so much fun, and, and sort of to see the Star Trek fandom in person was uh, both uh, very eye-opening and, and very, um, almost uh, piqued my curiosity, so. Um, but not enough to watch No, it. but still not enough, to, <laughs> still not enough to, uh, to, to go seek it out. But um, yeah, I mean, um, I know the new movies are great. I, I know Sophia Boutella and, and, and you know, I, I think I've lied and told her <laughs> I've watched the films, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, just sort of, um, yeah, it's just one of those things I just haven't, my world and Star Trek world uh, have are yet to collide. Right. So um, right now, I think today is when that finally um... finally happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Darren, you have some questions for John. You were saying. No. You wanted to ask him about. Uh... Oh, 
the, no, the, my my question was, you know, what do you know about Star Trek at this point? Right. You know, um, you know, what when you you know when you heard people talking about like uh, the original show in the '60s, right? Um, what jumped into your mind, if anything? Just like uh, the, the image of like I guess Spock um, mm-hmm. and 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 the blue and yellow. There was a guy with pointed ears. Yeah, and there were colorful shirts. <laughs> there was colorful shirts basically. Um, and he was a doctor, right, Doctor Spock, right? I didn't even know he was a doctor. So right. He's, he's a, not. <laughs> oh god, yeah, no, he's, he's a child psychologist. See, he that's actually right. have his MD. That's the thing that drives uh, Star yeah. Trek fans crazy. Um, well, when people refer to him as Doctor, because it was a famous baby doctor, Doctor Spock in the sixties. Oh. So people, are like, I, I like that show, that Doctor Spock. Right. And you know they're not a Star Trek fan. <laughs> right. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be completely open and honest and, and vulnerable with my lack of uh, Star Trek knowledge. <laughs> that, but you're you're in a safe zone. We understand it's okay. You're safe. You're very we're gentle. Here, you're we're okay. here to help. <laughs> um, but basically, everything that I've mentioned uh, is basically it. And then obviously booking. Um, the librarians, one of our um, very uh, often time director, uh, Jonathan Frakes, would sure. sort of make. Never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> he um, he obviously, I think he, he maybe guest starred on an episode of, of Star Trek back in the day, but he he would have a lot of stories and things. And whenever he was sort of imparting knowledge, um, one of the greatest ones was uh, we we're doing a Santa Claus episode with Bruce Campbell, who played a fantastic Santa Claus, and I guess um, we're in a cargo ship and uh, it's under attack and. It's sort of shaking around, and uh, I guess it was a trick they used back on the old Star Treks where um, Jonathan Frakes would yell out, uh, ship shake, and everyone would, like, you know, um, respond accordingly. And so uh, that was sort of cool to hear these little anecdotes of things they would use to create the effect of being on an alien spaceship. Um, so, yeah, that was sort of... And he had stories, and he, he taught me the pose and everything, but, yeah, that, that was sort of my... That's still, still once again... Uh, what was the pose? Uh, it's the one leg up on the chair, and you know we'd t- try and insert it into scenes. Oh, the Riker pose. The Riker pose, right. yeah. Right. So um, Riker he didn't spreading. teach you the Riker maneuver, though, did he? Right. No, what's that? It's it's sitting on a chair from behind. No. It, he 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 flips his Is leg like over Riker and style? sits in the chair. He's a tall oh. bloke, though. He, he can is. do he's that. I'm not that guy. tall. <laughs> he's, he's a tall guy. You just get shorter chairs. And maybe a baby still like could do the Riker. <laughs> and you know where bit. the beard came from? You know because he was baby faced in the first season, and then there was a writer strike. So over the strike, he grew a beard because he didn't want to shave, right? So he sees Roddenberry during the hiatus, and he goes, "I like that beard. It looks very nautical." He said, "Keep the beard," and that's why he had the beard and has had it ever since. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, it's still there. It's still, it's still there. there. <laughs> I know. And it was long before the man bun, and before it was like trendy to like actually have beards. You know, I don't back know if in Riker's the nineties, man bun would have played. You know, <laughs> I don't well. think it plays now. Yeah. The funny thing is, that's exactly the time where I started growing my beard. Is that right? Yeah, and I, I didn't know. <laughs> you know, it's cool. I didn't know about Riker, but I, I watched second season. There it is. I said, "Hey." <laughs> I guess I guess I'm in line. I, um, I, I guess so. I guess so. You know, it's funny you mentioned that that uh, with the librarians, we actually put a Star Trek reference into one of our scripts. The one um, with Tears of a Clown. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, there there's the episode they're talking about all these artifacts, and and when they're going through the list of artifacts, one of them is the um, uh, uh, the scepter of Korab. Uh, and and oh, it's a reference that. to, to yeah. Cat's Paw, which was an episode where there was this scepter that this guy Korab had, the transmuter, mm-hmm. which they used to 
anyway, I'm talking way over <laughs> yeah. your head. Uh, but then also, John Larroquette was in Star Trek, too. John, yeah, John Larroquette, uh, I think he did a little bit on there. And a lot of the guest stars, because Librarians was very, um, a lot of the casting decisions were very reputation-based, based on people who we already had attached to the show. So we had um, uh, John Delancey come in. Um, a lot of people had sort of done one or two episodes of Star Trek back in the day. So... Um, yeah, it's just, it's this cool sort of fascinating world, but I think um, growing up sort of on the beaches, I, I never really was, uh, I never had a, a portal, for lack of a better well, word, to into that world. Now you do. Yeah. I, so <laughs> you can ask any question you want. Ashley's standing by. Right. What <laughs> would you like to know about Star Trek or its appeal yeah. or or things that have vexed you or like, what you know, the movies or wh- what would you like to know? Where did it come from? Was it a, a book or something before it, it became a... That's a good question. Well, you see, when a police officer who writes speeches and um, wagon train love each other very much, they get together. Uh, Gene Roddenberry um, had this idea. He wanted to do a Western mm-hmm. set in space. Um, obviously, cowboys and horses in space are silly. Uh, this so, was in like 1964. Yes, exactly. Before anybody else thought about cowboys and horses in space, <laughs> Joss Whedon. Um, so, uh, yeah, he... He pitched this madness uh, and sold it, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he spent. I think we determined on the the last episode of this podcast about half of the first season actually losing his mind, um, letting other people come in for stints to gradually lose their minds until three years later, after uh, racking up what seventy nine episodes, the mm-hmm. show was finally and forever canceled, uh, until it was then revived as Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Um, so it really came from the mind of this. Uh, I, I don't want to say he was frustrated because I think no no science fiction writer has been less frustrated than Gene Roddenberry. Um, but at the time, frustrated science fiction writer who had this completely different idea of how to approach science fiction and how to approach genre on television, and frankly, was very different from, than anything that was happening in the in the movie world. Right. Um, and you know, somebody gave him the money because he was good at making it sound awesome. And P.S. He was right. Well, he he says that. You know, at the time, he wanted to do a show that had some uh, that dealt with important topics that uh, that dealt with racism, that uh, dealt with war, that dealt with all sorts of important things that you really couldn't get away with on television, certainly at that time. Right. And he he started thinking that, you know, when he was younger, he had uh, read the works of Jonathan Swift, who, of course, uh, invented the Gulliver books where Gulliver, this character Gulliver goes to these various different lands and sees all these various, you know, different types of uh, people living there. And they are all sort of, you know, quote unquote, alien and strange in some way. Mm. And he would, you know, make those societies uh, just as screwed up as reality. But he would, because he was talking about, you know, strange faraway people, having these same problems and same uh, foibles that human beings have. He could get away with, you know, sneaking in sort of message stories, right? And so Roddenberry thought, well, gee, we're in, you know, sort of the modern time now. So if I take that same tact and put it in a science fiction envelope, then perhaps I can get away with telling these, you know, stories about, you uh, uh, you know, one race hating another race and not have it be, you know, hitting someone on the head right. with it. You can sort of slide into 
you know, telling people a moral story without having anyone get upset. Right. For example, you could do an episode where you've got these aliens who hate each other and one group of aliens is they're like white on like one side of their face and black on the other. And then the other group of aliens is like black on this side of their face and white on this side of their face. And that way nobody gets that you're really just telling them an allegory about um, race relations. It's right. an indictment of the stupidity of prejudice. Well, yeah, right. Now, that's the episode people point to. It's not a very good episode, to be exactly. honest. <laughs> no. It's, it's a, it's great, a, it's a better point. idea than <laughs> yeah. a realization. It encapsulates what Star Trek was and at the same time kind of points out kind of the limits of the argument. Right. And right. it's being made during the Vietnam War, so there's a lot of um, sort of Vietnam allegories, allegories for Vietnam and what's going on there. And also, uh, as you know, uh, do you know that Nichelle Nichols was the first African-American, uh, one of the first, yeah, Diane Carroll had had her own show, but um, but 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 one of one of the earliest, you know, African-American actresses who's in a position of command on the Enterprise, you play Zohora. Um, you have, you know, women in a, you know, place of power on board the ship. Um, so it was very groundbreaking. You know, also we talked about George Takei as Sulu, and, and, and uh, you know, that was a great role because a lot of, uh, roles for Asians at that point were either as butlers or servants, or mm. um, and and he he was you know the helmsman. He was yeah. he started as the botanist, but then he was the helmsman. So um, you know Star Trek back then was very groundbreaking and, and very important in that respect, and it wasn't very successful. And it was only in the seventies that fans started to discover it and dress up like the characters and go to these conventions, as you know. Right. And uh, and and it's when the convention scene really sort of flowered. Because in the 60s, it was a lot of people who read novels, and it was mostly male-dominated. But Star Trek fandom sort of unleashed the modern convention age, where you had a lot of women, you had, to a certain extent, families, cosplay, all that stuff sort of was born out of Star Trek. It's obsessive, almost. I see it, and I'm like, I love the biggest thing, sort of, especially coming from a country which I don't want to generalize, but is, is quite lazy in a sense. <laughs> um, I mean, we, you know, they have it good down there. Uh, and and that's the greatest thing. I mean, even recently, Halloween um, was a big thing, and I saw heaps of Star Trek cosplays. Sure. Um, and, and, and the thing that got me was uh, how up and about and how much you guys get around it and you get so excited about these things, and it, it just... It's sort of human passion in its rawest form, and I and I really, really sort of seeing it firsthand was incredibly humbling, but also, um, yeah, it sort of it made me appreciate um, how much others could appreciate. Things. So let me ask you: so, so the JJ movies come out; it's a big deal. It's JJ Abrams, everybody knows JJ, right? Um, uh, you know, a lot of 2009 good reviews. People are saying great things about the movie. You know, some big stars are in it. Um, Chris Hemsworth, Chris, right, big yep. Australian. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, but before he was Thor, he was Kirk's dad, right? Yeah. And 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 you're like, oh wow, look at that. I'm not gonna go see it. Uh. Uh, what, what what was your you know what why you know now there've been three movies. What was it that did not appeal to you about these movies? I uh, I was in high school still, um, and I guess uh, I I actually funnily enough for somebody who now like watches three movies a week um, at the cinemas. I back then my sort of appreciation for film and TV. I I didn't have the story that a lot of people in the film and TV industry do where they knew immediately it was something they loved and adored mm-hmm. and they w- would rewatch tapes and tapes of their favorite films. And I was a very much a casual fan of film and TV until I got involved in it myself. And then it, it sort of took that that to the nth degree, basically. But um, yeah, I, I, 2009, I was, I was in year 11 uh, in high school, um, 
couldn't score a date in uh, you know for the life of me um and i think i was more you know preoccupied with that so Basically, I probably would have seen it if any of the girls in high school wanted to date me. Then I could have taken somebody to the movie. No, if you had been watching it, they wouldn't have wanted yeah. to date you. So. <laughs> but basically, yeah. Um, but I've gone from yeah not being able to score a date in high school to um to uh, not being able to score a date in L.A. So I mean, <laughs> I've changed my scenery. But, uh, and you don't watch Star Trek? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Should have plenty of time for it. Yeah. Um. That you know, so so you decided not to go to the movies. Now at this point, there've been three of these movies. Mm-hmm. Like if the next one came out next week, would it be daunting? You'd be like, I can't see that because I don't know what's going on. It's, I'm I'd be sort of lost. That or, might be one of the biggest um, sort of subconscious reasons why I haven't probably gone is understanding just uh, the layers and layers of of Star Trek history and sort of thinking at, by this point almost like. Is it too late to to get involved? Is it there's so much that, and 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 even now I'm like, um, yeah. If if even like if there's a TV show with like um, more than sort of like six or seven seasons, I'm I'm I guess maybe I have that millennial ADD that <laughs> seems to be going around. And, uh, <laughs> it's uh, contagious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So okay, so I have this trivia book here. Oh, <laughs> it's the official Star Trek trivia book. How enterprising are you? Test yourself. On this galaxy of facts. This is from 1979. From TV's greatest space adventure of all time, created by Gene Roddenberry. But you got to get Gene's name on that. Over 600 questions and answers, including photo questions, by trivia master Rafe Needleman. Rafe Needleman. That's a great name, right? Rafe Needleman. So we are going to look at (laughs) Rafe Needleman's book, and I'm going to ask at random each of you a question. Oh, boy. Oh, Oh, my goodness. See, that's not. (laughs) And see if you can answer it. Fill in the blank. Captain okay. Blank. <laughs> what does Kirk's attorney and court martial prefer to computers? John Kim. Uh, brunch. <laughs> brunch. I like that answer. Not a bad answer. <laughs> no, no, but it I starts think we give with it the same him. word. Same such same letter. Same letter. Darren. Um Alex, I'm gonna take books. Uh, you didn't say it in the form of a question. What are books? Yes, you were correct. You what were are books? Quite correct. What are quite jerks? Correct. Okay. Okay. okay now, now I, I'm not going to do the picture thing. Um, this is completely unfair. This is, yeah. Yeah, it really is. I, I'm, okay. I feel violated. I'm a little taken advantage of right now. <laughs> you know, that's only if you think there's something wrong with not being able to answer questions about <laughs> Star right. Trek. In any other room, you'd be the cool one. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> It just so in happens. Fact, in every other room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you could like get us into some cool parties. All yeah, right. <laughs> Ashley. Yeah. Fill in the blank. No. You are not Morg. You are E-morg. not bla- blank. You're not E Morg. E Morg. We're going to have to go to the uh, judges for this one. Uh, <laughs> pronunciation is a factor. The correct answer is. You are not iMorg. That's right. It's spelled E-Y-M-O-R-G. They don't call it an E-Mac. They call it an <laughs> iMac. Wow. wow. See, I almost want to go to the video yeah. <laughs> on this one, like to hear her pronounce it. Really? I mean- you, Who are you talking to? I actually? know who I am talking to. I know I who have I'm talking every to. every 79 okay. episodes now, in my brain. Rafe oh. Needleman is getting to the really challenging questions, Darren. Tell him, Rafe. What is the chant used to call the Gorgon in And the Children Shall Lead? It goes, Hail, hail, fire and snow. Call the angel, we will go. Far away, for to see, 
friendly angel, come to me. And then Roddenberry's lawyer shows up. That's right. (laughs) Played by Melvin Belli. Now, I don't know if I need to tell you this, but he is correct. (laughs) (laughs) Let me see if there's one more question I can ask. I-Morgue. I'm we'll see, Doctor Man. If that really is your name, uh-huh. Doctor okay. Man, Doctor Spockman, <laughs> Doctor Man, uh-huh. Dutchman. In the immunity syndrome, who does Kirk condemn to death by letting him use the shuttlecraft to penetrate the amoeba? <laughs> penetrate the amoeba. Is that you know? Never mind. Is it- <laughs> Um, Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Is it Mr. Spock? Oh, my God. (laughs) I do believe that John Kim just through osmosis by being on this panel. (laughs) Ironically. Has learned something about Star Trek today. And and Spock, in that particular instance, arguably was acting as a doctor. Okay. Not only did you get that right, which is just terrifying. But I'm going to give you the bonus question. What is the best book ever written about Star Trek? The Making of Star Trek by Stephen E. Whitfield. <laughs> I didn't finish. What is the best book written about Star Trek ever since The Making of Star Trek by Stephen Whitfield and Gene Roddenberry? Uh, I believe it was written by a, a Rafe Needleman. And... <laughs> You know what? The fact of the matter is that you know who Rafe Needleman is well, now, now is a win. some deep <laughs> trivia now. It's, that's a really, a really deep dive. So um, what's it going to take to get you to watch Star Trek at this point? Um, I think you guys have sold me, at least on the on the new movies. Um, I, I, I think I randomly Let's, like... Let me stop you. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people... Who feel that the new movies do not represent Star Trek as we love it. But not all. Not all. Not all people. I'm saying there's a good chunk of people. Right. It's uh, the original show is available on Netflix Mm -hmm. and CBS All Access and several other places. Um, I would take a look at some of the second season episodes of, of the show because pretty much any one of those are are good mm-hmm. and are fun to watch. Um, the basic the basic premise of the show is that it is a uh, it is basically an aircraft carrier in space and it goes around uh, patrolling the planets like that um, and it not only visits strange new worlds and encounters new races and new peoples and, and new races and new races yeah. and, and new races <laughs> uh, but it also uh has to police uh certain areas of space and defend uh people who have no defense and uh basically you know what obviously whatever the adventure story calls for that week um but you'll find that uh the captain captain kirk played by William Shatner, um, is the star of the show. And his sec- the secondary characters are Mr. Spock, his science officer, and uh, Dr. McCoy. And the three of them basically comprise a whole person. Like in, in that, mm. only oh, yeah. oh, yeah, okay, right. That, that, yeah, 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 I got yeah, that yeah, reference. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah, for sure. In that, Captain Kirk uses... Spock's intellect mm. 
uh, for uh, his own nefarious purposes. No, no. Spock acts as the suppository. Um, <laughs> You're not helping, Ashley. Not remotely. <laughs> I'm sorry, Darren. Please go ahead. May I? Yes. Thank you. Spock acts as the superego. This is, you know, the uh, the regulator of actions, the uh, intellect, the um, the governor. And um, Dr. McCoy acts as, you know, kind of uh, the id, meaning the emotional side okay. of of a human being's character. Kirk always would go to Spock and McCoy for advice when he would have to make a decision. And so you see in the stories him balancing out the aspects of a personality to come up with a the best command decision. And the interactions between specifically these characters is fascinating because Spock and McCoy don't necessarily like each other. They have to work with each other, but they're constantly at odds. And that dynamic is really interesting, and it plays out uh, well, you know, definitely during the first uh, first series. Right. Um, but Kirk is also the regulator between them, and he diffuses their, uh, their frustration with each other. Um, but the balance of specifically these three characters is really fun to watch and and fun to see develop throughout you know the show and you know when you get into the movies later um th- those feelings and and characters are echoed and they come back uh to some extent later on okay so i would like to ask uh john because what i'd like to do is see if we can suggest an episode for him to watch, mm-hmm. and if he's kind enough to maybe come back at some point in the future and tell us what he thought. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, you don't what, have to do a report on. What? Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, so giving you homework. This yeah, homework, right? right. I mean, you know, I mean, right, how, how long are the episodes? <laughs> they are fifty-three minutes long. Okay. okay so. On the original series. Right. Yeah, they get progressively shorter as time goes on okay. uh, because of more commercial time for the later episodes. You know, the later shows. So. Um, what what is most what character or what situation is most intriguing? And then we will suggest an episode for you. So, like, is is it Kirk the the machismo leader? Is it Spock the deep thinking intellectual? Do you is like it McCoy action? the passionate do like doctor? Yeah. Do you like comedy? Do you like action? Do you, do you want aliens? Do you want uh, you know social commentary? Tell us, and then we will suggest episodes for you to watch. Who who is the funniest character on the show? Harry Mudd. No. <laughs> the funniest. The funniest. Doctor McCoy can be very funny. Yeah. Spock can actually. Spock can be, be funny too. Usually funny. Um, or you could watch the episode where Kirk turns into a woman. That could be very funny be for very a whole funny. other reason. Well, if, if what you want is funny, then <laughs> I would start trouble with trouble with tribbles. Yeah. It's uh, during the second season. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what number it is in the second season. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, it has uh, it has good portrayals of all the characters in it, and it is a, it is a fun episode. It has uh, it has Klingons, uh, the uh, the you know often used baddies in the uh, in the show. It has tribbles. It has grain. Lots of grain. <laughs> so much grain. Okay. It has a you know, chicken sandwich and coffee. coffee. 
So from, you know, Australia, you know, those fields of wheat and stuff, yeah. you know, like you'll feel right at home. Sounds like home. Uh, <laughs> it has it has drinking, okay. which again makes, you know, yeah, yeah, make, yeah. make you feel like you're at home. Well, it's it was based on the rabbit plague down in Australia. It has a bar fight. It, listen to him. The rabbit this plague in Australia. Why? Look how he's bringing it home for John here. <laughs> the rabbit plague. Who knew? I didn't. Well, I Try and make That's it why he is meetings. an inglorious <laughs> Trexpert. <laughs> but yes, David Gerald, the writer, uh, based it on stories of the plague of rabbits down in Australia in, I believe, fangs. the... Not huge fangs. I believe it was in the 1800s. <laughs> I'm not sure. And if you remember, it was a, it originally was titled A Fuzzy Thing Happens on the Way to the Forum or something, or A Fuzzy Thing Happens. Just a fuzzy thing happens. A fuzzy happens. thing happens. And they were like little koala bears right. before they became tribbles. Wow. And then, then now the tribbles are like these little. They're more like cats, like little cats. But they're just little fluff they're balls. Really fluff balls. Just. They're very popular but at the a, conventions. But it's a fun episode, and it has all sorts of intrigue and good character moments. Yeah. And and John, if you are on a date, women love this episode. Oh, really? It's a good yeah, episode sure. to oh, shoot. Yeah, like absolutely. if you're gonna be, you know, these guys, these they, they're making me watch this stupid show, and and you know, it's only fifty three minutes and change. And if you want to come on, let's just watch it, and we'll be done, and then we can go out. So that's the one. I mean, because it's it, it it's cute. That, that's a smooth pickup line, actually. Because it's pretty, it, it's, it's pretty blunt. Look, I gotta do this homework for this stupid podcast. <laughs> These three dudes are making me watch this episode. And 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 they say they're gonna kill somebody if unless I do it. It's the guy who works for uh, Terminator, the Sarah Brunicratic. You could. I, I think Trouble with Tribbles is a good suggestion because it's fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will say when when my son, who's who's nine and first started watching Star Trek when he was eight, I had to decide, you know, what was the gateway drug to mm-hmm. get him into Star Trek. And he, at the time, he was really into the. He still is into uh, presidential history and and the presidents, right. uh, you know, Washington and all the way to Obama. And um, and he, I said, let's watch the Savage Curtain. And, and and he really, you know, he enjoyed it because Abraham Lincoln's in that. How Abraham Lincoln is in it is another story. You have to for see you. the episode. But, uh, but so he, he enjoyed that. And he actually, his favorite episode is The Menagerie. Um, and But he's really into Star Trek now. So, but he, he, he loves Trouble with Tribbles. Everyone loves Trouble with Tribbles. Yeah. It's, it's a fun, It's a charming, fun way to introduce yourself to it. You know, it's, it's funny. Until you, you said that, I was going to suggest the Corbomite Maneuver because I felt that it had all the aspects of Star Trek, the, the philosophy. Clint but, Howard. Uh, Clint, and Clint Howard, um, which isn't always a good thing because I had yeah. him in House of the Dead, so I can tell you that, you know, having Clint Howard is not the sign of quality. <laughs> um, but uh, There goes another listener. But uh, <laughs> No, I mean, I like Clint. I just... Uh-huh. But now he doesn't like us, so thank you. <laughs> I, I'm just saying having a fine actor like Clint Howard doesn't mean the movie's going to be good. That's right. what I'm saying. Good, good. I, I told you. I, t- I think I told you a story. We were at Craft Services, and I said, oh, I see you're getting some Tranya. He said, yeah, I've never heard that one before. Thanks, Mark. Um, wow. <laughs> no, yeah. no, he was. he wasn't being mean. How dare you? A glass of Tranya. Um, so uh, anyway, but of I course, think trouble with tribbles. Trouble with trouble tribbles. tribbles is a good one. Okay. Um, if you wanna, if you wanna, you know, you could start with something from the next generation. But honestly, I think next generation is made even better when you have a little bit of knowledge of. 
the original show. Because right. like the best episodes of of uh, of Next Gen, you can't necessarily appreciate unless you've seen the original or Next Generation. Because like yesterday's Enterprise, you need to understand the universe in order to appreciate right. that. Best of both worlds, you sort of need to have a background in who Riker is. I right. mean, obviously you know who Frakes is, but who <laughs> Riker is um, before you can really appreciate Best of Both Worlds. Um, you know, Inner Light, you have to have an appreciation of flutes, I right. guess. Right. Uh, so it's it's hard to say, start with Next Generation. Although, if you do enjoy the original series, then you absolutely should take a look at episodes of, of Next Generation. Well, um, if you wanted to do a companion piece to oh, Trials Trouble and Tribulations, Trials and Tribulations from Deep Space Nine. Wow. Well, that's interesting. If you like Troubles with Tribbles, there's a, an episode where they paid homage to it in Deep Space Nine, okay. um, which was an, another spinoff. Uh, many years later, where they go back in time to that episode, and they forest gump themselves into the episode. Oh, oh! So, so from a technical so point of view, yeah. it's very interesting because it was filmed, you know, twenty five years after Trouble Tribbles, um, and it's called Trials and Tribulations. Okay, um, and it'll give you a sense of what the Deep Space Nine, because Deep Space Nine, is a show. Yes, it's a show <laughs> uh, set on a space station. Where the people and it's some wonderful actors uh, are in it. Uh, Andrew, uh, um, and, Robinson. Andrew Robinson is Gary. It, it had a much deeper bench. Like in a lot of the other Star Trek shows, it really was a star vehicle. We had like three or four characters, and then a bunch of other people who did stuff and said lines and like made a lot of money at conventions, but really yeah. didn't do much. Yeah. And then you on um, but Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine. A, a group effort. It's like yeah. a, a, a real ensemble. Right. An yeah. embarrassment of riches. And, and and it doesn't necessarily get the love that it deserves in certain aspects of the fandom. And then you have another show after that. Do you know what the shows are, by the way? I mean, yeah. Okay, so there was a show called Voyager, which Kate Mulgrew from uh, um, uh, Orange is Orange the New Black, Black uh, is, is the, the captain on. It's very much like Orange is the New Black. So if you yeah. watch it, it'll be feel very familiar to you. Go. And then, uh, and then after Voyager, you had Enterprise, which was a prequel um, to the original, eh, ish, sort yeah. of supposed to be. It's 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 uh, the missions of the first starship named Enterprise, which we'd okay. never heard anything about yeah. previously. Right. So, um, oh, and there was the cartoon. There was the animated Star Trek cartoon. Right. So you know, you know, you wake up with a hangover on Saturday morning. You that's you need it. something. You know, yeah, watch the cartoon. Six years old. That's exactly what I did. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, I was and then uh, CBS All Access recently yes. debuted a new series called Star Trek Discovery, which mm-hmm. started um, about a year ago. Their second season premieres in January. And I, I think Rebecca Romaine just got cast. She did. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. Did. yeah she She's did. playing the character of Number One. She's the number two, number one. Which means now you think, oh, number one. Does that mean she's like the best? Yeah. But she, no, number one is that what they call the, the second the, in command. Right. The first officer. The first officer. Oh, and yeah. she's playing a role that was played by Gene Roddenberry's wife in the original pilot back in 1964. Yeah. With a wig. I'm, I'm seeing her tomorrow, so I'm, I'm going to be asking her. I'll be telling her about this, too. So tell her you're a big Star Trek fan. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. You say, hey, Rebecca, let me tell you, I'm so excited that you are playing number, number six. No, 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 no. Uh, Who is number two? You tell her, are and, number one. Tell her that you're extremely excited that she's coming to be a guest on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we should have Rebecca and Jerry down and quiz oh, them yeah. about Star Trek. Yeah. yeah no, I, that, that is my promise to you. I will, I will sit with, there with pen and paper watching <laughs> Troubles and Tribbles, which is in the second season, somewhere in the middle. Yes. And then um, 
I, I suppose I'll probably have even more questions more than answers for you guys. Probably. And that's Rafe okay. Needleman will have those answers. <laughs> and more questions. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's great. And then, um, um, you know, after you see Rebecca, you have to go and watch uh, um, The Menagerie. Right. Right? Yeah, to see, who, to she's see who she's playing. Okay. Majel Barrett, who played, ended up being Majel Barrett. Roddenberry ended up marrying Jean, but she was Jean's mistress at the time. And she was cast uh, as this character. And the network suits were really unhappy because they're like, why are you casting your girlfriend? You know, he kept saying, I found this wonderful, new, young, exciting actress. Uh-oh. You mean your girlfriend? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and then when the, seri- when the show went to series, they wrote out their character. Now, Gene would say it's because they didn't want a woman in command. Uh, in a uh, with a position of responsibility, and he said it was a choice of keeping Mr. Spock or number one, and he went with Mr. Spock. The real answer is probably somewhere in between. It's a little more complicated than that. Can you imagine being an actor on set? It, you're William Shatner, and you're the number two on the call sheet. Your number one is number two. Is <laughs> oof? Is the is the showrunner's wife? Yeah. What's that political situation like? What kind of Unholy nightmare would that be? Well, it never happened. Well, so. thank God, right? But you yeah. know what I'm saying, right? It's like you kind of look back and go, well, well, well thanks. Thanks, NBC, because Jesus. Number one's gone 10, 10 11. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you got a 20 on number one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, who's our first? Uh, well, John, I, so this is great. So you have your homework assignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm anxious to hear uh, have you come back and tell us what you think, and you and, can be completely please, honest. Hon- please be honest. Yeah, because we want we want to we want to know what your you know your real reaction is. Yeah, and if you don't like it, then I I want to know why. Okay. Yeah, I really want to know. Justify yourself. We want to to you know how for years they would pass down the the the, the Ten Commandments and the the, the 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 you know to new generations and and you know perpetuate these stories and Sarah this. Connor Chronicles. So yeah. I, you know for us it's important that the original Star Trek be passed down through the generations to the next generation mm-hmm. so that they can and the next extol the virtues of this series. You know as uh, because you know I mean. You know, a lot of people, you know, will say, oh, it looks cheesy, styrofoam rocks and all that stuff. But at the heart of the original Star Trek are these really compelling stories and allegories, you know, that you find in great literature and, and in religion, you know. The, the, so it's it, there's something very unique about the original Star Trek. So it'll be very interesting to hear what you have to and say. And honestly, here's the thing. Here's what I think. <laughs> all those, the stories and all that stuff are great. The, the end of the day... The thing that I think you'll feel most of all is that you will want to be Captain Kirk. Okay. Or that Mr. Spock. Or Mr. Spock. Or maybe, Dr. McCoy. Maybe. Mm. But come on. Who doesn't want to be Captain Kirk? I mean, Bill Shatner. he is a metric, <laughs> intergalactic <laughs> badass. Yeah. That's the important thing. He yeah. redefines badassery. I, I have to I have to tell you I, the the most the greatest experience you know there was that that brief period of time where it looked like we might end up doing a sequel to Free Enterprise, and uh, so I had to go uh, to see Bill uh, because we were talking about some things and uh, he says come meet me out at the equestrian uh, center center in Burbank in Burbank so I actually I said well you know um, I um, uh, we, you know, we had plans with the kids that weekend, and, and I hate horses. And he and he said, uh, <laughs> and he said, no, no, you know, bring the kids Man, down. I had a and so, literally, I had my whole family with me. We went went down the equestrian center, and 
Bill is out on a horse in a cowboy hat. And he comes galloping off, up to us, takes off his hat, and he goes, okay, I'll be right with you, Mark. Good to see you all. And then he galloped away. And um, never I turned him. to my kids and I said to them, I said, you're too young to know it now. But this will be one of the great moments of your life. You just <laughs> saw Bill Shat. You just met Bill Shatner for the first time on a horse. On a horseback. <laughs> yes. I said, you it's have like no idea how cool this <laughs> moment is. And and I never cease to, re- to remind them. No. Uh, John, it was such a thrill having you here yeah, today. I, and I really hope that in some way we have imparted something about Star Trek <laughs> mm-hmm. to you. That you know a little bit more than when you arrived right. about Star Trek and, yep. and have some semblance of interest. And, you know, when you're doing these conventions, I know you're promoting different projects and stuff. And you may have a girlfriend with you or something. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can buy them a triple at this convention. And she'll be very touched because that's a really nice. Women love tribbles. Okay. Is that the dating advice I'm getting from the? Okay, well, <laughs> any dating advice for John? I'm just playing. No, I, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm verbally locked in for one episode. I will have yes. my likes and my dislikes listed, um, and I get the feeling that this will either be a very uh, long rabbit hole that I'll be slipping down. No, that's shore leaf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, there's, sure. that's, oh, that's another episode. Like, oh, okay. That's another episode. There's, oh, okay. there's, there's an Alice in Wonderland reference in Shirley. Oh, okay. Rabbit Plague, which of is 18, a, also a great episode. It's a planet where they beam down, and all these crazy things are happening. Like they see Alice and the White Rabbit, and um, and and um, and then they all they their see thoughts all, are becoming real. Right. They did a little too much LDS. Oh, it, it, it's so it's it's that's a really fun fun episode too. Yeah. But let's. Baby steps. Yeah. Baby steps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, look, if you want to follow John, you can follow him on Twitter, Instagram at John Harlan Kim. Yep. Uh, you can also enjoy him on his regular appearances on television and film. Um, and uh, we hope to have you back so we can hear more about your, your newfound passion for Star Trek uh, <laughs> as we, we, we move on to the intermediate questions in Rafe Needleman's classic tome. It would be interesting to return one day and find out the crop that sprung from the seed you planted today. Yeah. Space seed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and then, you know, honestly, uh, we have to look at Rathacon as, as, as something for you to, to watch as well because cool. that is largely considered the most entertaining of the Star Trek movies, and I think very and, accessible, and by very the way. accessible for a new fan, and you know, sort of knowing your 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 you know your taste, which is a good you know highbrow cool taste. You know, I think you get a a, a kick out of uh, you might enjoy Star Trek two or Star Trek four for that matter. Well, we'll we see if he t- likes Tribble. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll save that for another discussion. Cool. So, John, thank you for being. Ashley, again, thanks for being here. Thank you you can me. follow Inglorious Trexperts on Twitter and Instagram at Inglorious Trek, as well as on Facebook, where you can continue the conversation by suggesting show topics, including stuff to buy women at conventions, and <laughs> give us feedback on every episode. In addition, if you like what you hear, please rate us five stars at Apple Podcasts. You can hear new episodes of Inglorious Trexperts every Sunday, now on Sundays instead of Mondays. Because Monday, you know... What a day. What a day, what a day. Wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're a fan of Star Trek Discovery, don't miss our new... That's another Star Trek show on CBS All Access. Okay. For our fans who don't know anything about Star Trek. Don't miss our all-new podcast, Disco Nights, with host Chase Masterson from Deep Space Nine. Uh, And she'll be joined by special guests every week with all-new episodes premiering every Thursday night. And finally, a very special thanks to the great Bill Ritter and everyone here at the Electric Sturge Network for making this show possible, including Natalie, who's back there somewhere in the, hey, Natalie, Natalie. we couldn't do it without you. So until next week, on behalf of Darren Docterman, Ashley Miller, John Harlan Kim, and myself, Mark A. Altman, keep on trekking, and gloriously, of course. Shh.
Engage. Sweetheart, I'll be watching all.